Welcome to From Nor to Nothing Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology. And with me today is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. The last two weeks, we've had some eye-opening conversations about topics that are generally considered in a negative light. This week, we'll flip the script and talk about a topic that is enjoyed almost out of necessity by those taking part in it, celebration. Strap on your party hats and prepare to have a good time until the buzzkill philosophers start asking questions. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking, I can't wait to have you say when, when you introduce this, I'm Dr. Joel Bouchard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still a ways away. <laughs> still, still a few years away, but um, yeah, no. Um, so like I said, past couple of weeks, we covered cynicism. We looked at yeah. failure. Yeah. Um, and really, we found <laughs> that uh, those two things aren't um, negative by nature, right? Cynicism is is really just a way of of looking at things um, that could be warranted in certain situations, but for the most part, it it sort of deserves its negative reputation. Failure, as it turns out, really, um, you know, it, it it depends on the context for sure, <laughs> but it isn't it isn't negative, you know necessarily right there's there's some things about it that are that are really interesting so celebration we'll see if um if if it uh is the same or if it breaks the mold a little bit so what is a celebration well we'll start with the buzzkill right now (laughs) (laughs) so if you if again the etymology is interesting but if to celebrate as it moves from the latin into the medieval English is to frequent or to honor or to give attention to something. And so, for instance, in some churches, there's a celebration of Eucharist. And there are endless celebrations of the lives of people who have passed on. And so it has a kind of connotation of positivity, but there's also an implicit uh, dwelling. Slow down and dwell on something. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, sometimes when we think about celebration, we don't necessarily slow down and dwell. But but as you had a very recent celebration, I would say that, and you did a speech. It was an anniversary for Joel and his wife, and you did a speech. And I unfortunately couldn't be there to hear it, but you took time to reflect on your marriage. Hmm. You celebrated your marriage, and therefore you celebrated or honored the idea of of marriage that might have not have been the first thing on anybody's mind when they're having good food and laughing and talking with each other but that's that's really built in yeah yeah and so yeah the the etymology of um the word celebration is is pretty interesting because you can see it its purpose adapt over time um and they i think when they started out it was it was like celebrar or something and they yes. were like we don't know where it, we don't know the origins of the word we don't know where it came from really Right. And it it sort of centered around um, like a populist gathering, you know, like, okay, people gathering together. Yep. And then as, you know, as it went through its various incarnations, um, it, it took on like a religious overtone, you know, and it became about some of these other things. Yeah. Um, so that raises an interesting question, right? Um, if, if the original etymology of the word implied a gathering, um, is it possible to have a celebration by oneself? <laughs> I well, I think so, but that's because when you don't, when we don't know the original meaning of the word, we can do lots with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, uh, but more seriously, yeah, I, I think you can celebrate in memory of someone. There's the celebration of memory, and you can do that in, in, a, in a group of people. But I think if you sit down and you think of that person, and maybe you have a glass of something to drink, or you, you have a particular food that that person likes, and you just sit and contemplate 
that person that you're you, you are doing a celebration, not in the loud, uh, jocularity-filled, joyous sense, but yes. Yeah, I, it, it's an interesting question, right? Because, and it, it almost raises a second question, right? So, can you separate the word celebration from celebrate, right? Because it seems like if you were to ask, can somebody celebrate by themselves, that almost seems like a foregone conclusion. But if you ask, can somebody have a celebration by themselves, something about just changing that wording yeah, um, just intuitively makes you think, well, I don't know if somebody can have a celebration by themselves, but I know they can celebrate. Well, right. So a celebration sounds, well, it, 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 it implies a larger process. The celebration is an event. Hmm. or a process of having an event. And so I guess, uh, yeah, I can see where you're going. I, I think that celebrate seems less formal. Yeah. <laughs> and celebrations has a more of a degree of formality with it. You think that's just like a, a quirk of the English sort of adoption of the, the idea? Yeah, I think, I think probably so. It, it seems to me that we're, we're doing a food tasting here. <laughs> We're saying, well, does this sip two different coffees? Uh, but which one seems like it would be better at a formal event? Or, you know, which coffee seems to take itself more seriously? Well, I think that's what we're doing. Celebration sounds more formal. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it is or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'll, um, I'll shout out, um, Giuseppe down at the, the bibliotheque for, uh, Making you your own uh, specialty drink. <laughs> Norm brings us coffee every every week for the podcast. He's been there enough that uh, he got a, his own signature drink down at the coffee shop. Yeah, with some food. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're talking about connoisseurs um, of, of both coffee and words, <laughs> we're on, we're in good company. So, but yeah, I think that that is true. You know, and and thinking about it, okay. So if I can celebrate by myself, but I can't have a celebration. Um, and then we think back to the etymology of the word, you know, a yeah. populist gathering. Is there is there some other word that should take the place of celebration if you if it's done in solitude, or do you think it's a limitation of language, or do you think that it's just a misapplication of our concept of the word? You've just asked like four questions, and <laughs> and that's that's wonderful. My head is going. Wait, I'm with the spark going from one spark plug to the next, or something. The last one first. I think that we do uh, play with words a lot in philosophy, and not, and not play in the sense of of disrespecting words, but uh, but of poking at them and seeing what they'll do. They're kind of like a fit of a fidget mm -hmm. and and words do are, are elastic and they do uh, change even from decade to decade and new words emerge and so so i think yes i think what we're talking about with celebration that's sort of a it's not a, a mistaking of the intent of the older word but i think it's a reshaping of it um but for another word i mean Curiously, I, I was thinking about this uh, since we, since you and I texted about this topic. Uh, to celebrate is to honor. Uh, to celebrate is to uh, can be to have a festival or a festivity. So a celebration can be a festivity. It can be uh, an honoring of a kind. So each one of those has the connotation of something more formal, if we want it to be. I mean, that, that's what holidays are. I mean, here we are in my, my, my favorite satirical part of the year. Happy Hallow Thankmas. We, <laughs> we started Halloween and we binge and we pressure and the whole to save the economy we buy and we, and we were supposed to do all this eat and eat and eat. And then we have the, the afterward of, oh, well, here's how to lose weight after you've gone through the holidays. And, and holiday means holy day. And, and that's not necessarily uh, what people intend anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, even though the root of it is very clear. 
So I, I think what we do with these things, I mean, how, how do you, is it a celebration, uh, to, to buy a bunch of things and hand to other people? Well, by itself, that might not be a celebration. So what makes it a celebratory event? Must it be religious? I'm asking you a bunch of questions. Yeah, I've got a funny sort of colloquial story here. Um, somebody, um, somebody was complaining about the fact that uh, in a store they were playing Christmas music, you know, <laughs> this early. And one of one of my friends who likes Christmas music said, "Well, if you don't want Christmas music played this early, then somebody should start writing good." thanksgiving songs <laughs> so i mean music i mean is you know if you think about it music might be a a good element of of celebration right mm -hmm. if you're thinking about a celebration even um you know something like a birthday right birthdays have their own songs right um i think that 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 aspect of of human creativity and and things that draw groups of people together i think music is might be an integral part of that i think you're right and 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 that colloquial story is 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 spot on because thinking about celebration and and, and, and leaping off of what you just said there is the implication of or the expectation of somewhere along a spectrum on this of ritual so when I asked you, did you, did you, were there speeches and you did a speech? Well, that's because my expectation would be that at a formal honoring of, of the return of an anniversary date, that there would, there would be a speech. Well, that's because that's built into us somehow. We do graduation ceremonies. A graduation is a celebration. Hmm. Thus, we have people yammering on to us about our lives even though we're not listening at the moment because we're we're high schoolers or we're college students so we say oh yeah yeah give me the wisdom of the world no i've been doing that let me just yeah what are we going to do next we, we 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 sort of miss sometimes we can easily not pay attention to the the formal ritualized thing well there are holidays that are very ritualized and they are generally holy days in one sense or another back to ancient the ancient world, but then there are ones that we make up. Well, we made them all up. <laughs> ones that we, that we, the more recent ones. So, so happy holiday for President's Day. There's no ritual for President's Day that I can tell unless it is to go buy a car or to go buy a mattress. <laughs> there's, there's, we don't, we don't necessarily as, as a whole culture have, um, a listening to, three of the best presidential speeches across time we hmm. could do that some of them would take a couple hours but, but but we don't we don't focus on that we don't focus on a symbol of the presidency right um even veterans day and you're and, and you're a veteran you're seeing all these signs around the, the school signs the, 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 which really fascinating because of some, for some reason and i can't put my finger on it i should know this but it's eluding me at the moment they're green has been designated as the the color for honoring uh, veterans. Well, green is certainly color for some uniforms, but not for all of them. So, I, but there were these uh, school signs, these electronic signs in, in front of the school to announce various things and saying, well, "This sign is flashing in green." <laughs> so it's not just doing the green; it's telling you why we're doing the green, which means there needed to be an element of explanation. Uh, which which tends toward the beginnings of a hint of ritual. But what is done? Well, there are some services. Uh, there are there is some um, raising of of guns with blanks to have ceremonies. Not a great word, and but there's not a a, a day. Mm. It's a day, but it's not a day yeah yeah so ritual is an, an interesting word right um because you think ritual you think it's sort of a like a religious activity and we think back to the the etymology of the word and it sort of sort of jives with that do you think celebrations originated as 
religious or ritualistic um, celebrations, I guess. <laughs> Use a circular <laughs> use the word. Um, yes, I do. Uh, can't be absolutely sure of it, but but some of the most you know, when, when Abraham Lincoln declares Thanksgiving as as a formal day, I I, I think that that's that's not ancient, but that starts to harken back. And you go back to ancient Greece and the bacchanalia, the wine and and and, and the orgies and all. It's, um, but all toward celebrating the one side of the of the human being, which is madness and chaos, and then there's the other side. Well, we have we have Advent and then Christmas and then post Christmas. We have this, the the goofy and the fun and the hooray, and then we and then we have the contemplative. Um, so yeah, you think about like Lent, you know, like yes. Fat Tuesday before Lent, <laughs> Fat everybody's Tuesday. crazy, right? right? But then for the next forty days, or I'm not Catholic, so I don't know, but I think the next forty days there's something everybody's very strict and observant of. of certain right, and what, and what we and and also being human. <clears throat> And in religious systems, <laughs> I can't always laugh at this. <clears throat> Excuse me. So nobody's more clever about figuring out ways around rules that have been established than than uh, people of various faith lives. So you're not allowed to eat certain kinds of food, but you find a way to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> at least in America. Yeah. <laughs> and. and and so we, we lent for giving up, but not, not for, not to give up as a punishment. And I have a, a dear friend who's a theology teacher who points this out. It's not, it's not, it's, it's to uh, acknowledge that there are things that we can give up and still be ourselves. Uh, and maybe f- think about why we have those things or whatever. But that, but there's a serious element again to it, like we said at the beginning, a ceremony, a celebration, um, probably to be completely a whole in some way, has those serious elements. Weddings. Yeah. Yeah. And this brings up, you know, deeply philosophical topics in, in terms of sort of dualism almost, right? You yes. think about this. Yes. Um, at my celebration last night, I was talking with one of my friends about, um, you know, the state of psychological science, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how there's this debate going on between empiricists and rationalists, right? The empiricists who are saying, you know, that the scientific method is all that there is, and then we just have to use that. And then the rationalists who are saying, well, if that's all you do, then you're missing a huge component <laughs> of what it means to be human. You're sort of stripping humans of their humanity and these sorts of things. Yep. And if you think about it, it, a celebration is sort of an encapsulation of that, right? You have, if you have those, the somber or the formal or the rational elements um, of essentially the reason you're celebrating. But on the other hand, you have the rational part, which, you know, the, the emotional part, the part that makes humans what they are. Humans like to eat. You know, humans like to laugh. Humans like to hear music. Yes. They like to do these things. So. So even though last night we were celebrating our anniversary, there was there's a definite reason that we were there, um, and there were sir, some formal homages to that, right? A, a short toast, a cutting of a cake, these sorts of things. For the most part, most of the night was just friends eating and laughing and talking about things completely unrelated to marriage or mm-hmm. to the other stuff, mm-hmm. and they're kind of combined together together into a celebration, and that's it's you know sort of this uniting of the of the um the rational and the the emotional in a way I, I, there's a, that's well said and there, there's so much of this running sociologically through any culture uh, i would i would say so that even we look at us look at in, in our culture how we look toward anniversaries uh, and not just wedding anniversaries if we can find a reason to Raise a glass, <laughs> or or sit and remember. We'll we'll do it, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But sometimes we we feel the need to celebrate anniversaries that are the, of themselves of culture shattering or life shattering 
um, events. And then the word celebration doesn't get used as much as the word observe. Mm-hmm. We observe. Well, what does it mean to observe? What do you think of when you hear that word? You know, it, it seems to be there's there's a separation, right? There's an event that happens, and there's somebody who's separated from it and who's you know who is taking it in, is reflecting on it. You know, there's there's the perception of what's happening, and then there's sort of this integration or this reflection on it. You know, yeah, it's kind of a- almost anthropological within ourselves. We step back, we observe, which means essentially, in some sense, to remember or to think about something that happened. And we step back, so it's, it's almost, if, if you've watched a Doctor Strange movie, you've got this where Doctor Strange gets knocked out of his physical body and his, his, um, his astral self is there, and he sees himself. Okay, well, we like to think about those things sometimes. We're seeing ourselves as we experienced something horrible um, at a distance, or, or something we've seen third party through photographs and so on. And, and then, as you just said, but we're watching ourselves watching that. Uh, and the anthropologist sits in a duck blind and tries not to interfere with what's going on to learn how a culture actually works. So philosophy sometimes is that process of being in a duck blind. Yeah. And watching a party go on or, or watch a whole honoring going on. Yeah. I think, um, there's a Jack Johnson song that reminds me of the pictures of people taking pictures of people taking pictures of people taking <laughs> pictures, right? That's sort of philosophy, right? Is you're, you're watching somebody doing something and then you're yep. behind them. And then it's just, well, where does this end? Where is this going? You know, you know we're, I mean, we are, we are close to the UNESCO, uh, annual celebration of philosophy day. Here's November 15th. Okay. We stumbled onto this, which is, you know, but, but it's cool. And, and one of the, one of the articles, uh, in philosophy now is so talking about this. Uh, the, the writer said, uh, the annual celebration of a world philosophy day raises several practical and theoretical questions. How should one celebrate? Uh, should one celebrate at all? What is there to celebrate? How many questions is too many? <laughs> right? And, and, and then people have arguments and uh, de- debates about whether philosophy is something worthy of celebrating at all or, or are, are we celebrating meaninglessness? Or are we, you know, so it's the buzzkill philosophy. It's a buzzkill <laughs> philosophy deal. That's right. So, so when you celebrate something, you have an urge to do something ritualistic. Even if it's as seemingly simple, and it isn't, to organize a dinner, to, but, but to, to have a dinner. And, and not to necessarily have an agenda. Some folks have an agenda for celebrations, some don't. Um, but just like with some weddings. Well, now is the time for the, the bride to dance with her father and for the groom to dance with mother or, and, and, and those things are even changing because of family dynamics. <clears throat> but we have this time. Who said it's the time? Nobody's going to tell you that on, in, in the celebration of some, you don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's just how we do it. <laughs> yeah. We had a, we had a moment last night that was sort of like that. Um, so right before I did my toast, right? My wife had bought this big box of plastic champagne flutes and she had originally used them for uh, I think it was a wedding shower and then she had some left over. So she was going to use them for this. And then she had some left over and she's going to use them for my sister's baby shower. So, you know, you had to buy them this big bulk thing. Yeah. So she's using them all up. Well, they're cheap plastic things. So some of them uh, broke when you're attaching the bottom to the middle. So some of the <laughs> champagne glasses were leaking. Um, and so I'm trying to give the toast and, and some people, you know, it's making a mess on the table and stuff. And uh, the, the waitress who was at our dinner, she says, it's good luck. And Amanda said, it is. And she goes, well, that'll be our new ritual. <laughs> we'll just say, we can just start a new tradition. We'll say it's good luck. You know? yeah, yeah. And when you think about it like that way, and then you think about all the steps in a wedding ceremony or all the steps in these sorts of things, and you go, 
well, where did these come from? It was probably somebody saying, you know, we'll 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 just do this and this will be the new tradition, you know. And thus there are many different ways of having a wedding. I attended four this summer, none alike. Hmm. Uh, and, And the interesting thing was that the two of them were the same two people, but they got married in one place and they did a version of the ceremony in the other place because friends and family couldn't be at both places, but it became plastic. It became this fascinating, wonderful, authentic rethinking of, of it. Uh, the, the ritual of getting engaged has stretched and, and become so creative from what it was generally when I was growing up. And I, and I think it's fascinating, but we do, we make up rituals. So the question then is why? Yeah. Yeah. What is, what is the purpose of all these steps to, for let's this do thing? this first. Let's, uh, all right. You know, we've had such a good time, uh, here doing this. Let's meet once a year and we'll, we'll do this again and we'll do things exactly the same that we did before. Is that going to make the same things happen? No. Well, then we got nostalgia going on. Yeah. Um, so the, the making of ritual is not, it's, it's something that can be taken very lightly, of course, but if you underneath it, buzzkill again, um, it is quite serious. We want to maybe make a ritual so we, we can give memory and weight and gravitas to something that we don't want to let disappear. Yeah. Yeah. I think there, there might be two elements to it. You know, I think that for an initial ceremony, I think there's almost like a Gnostic or mystical element to it. You know, doing all of these steps in this specific order seems to give it some kind of weight. Yeah. But I think there's, there's the subconscious part of it that you were just mentioning that after you do it that initial time, um, when you come back to the tradition, then you do it the same way the next time, the same way the next time it reinforces memories, you know, and Mm -hmm. ancient people didn't know that. Well, probably didn't know that when they developed traditions or developed rituals. Um, but it's, it's effective, right? You do, you do these certain things in this certain way. Often enough, it reinforces that memory and the emotions that you have connected to it. Yeah. yeah. So do celebrations such as birthdays and religious holidays and, and cultural milestones, are they sort of universal across cultures? Does everybody celebrate these in one way or another? To my knowledge, yes. Uh, I don't know much or anything about a lot of cultures on the planet and some or a lot about others but in the ones the one is peripherally uh, aware of or more familiar with yes yeah i think that you know i think so so birthdays you know i'm i'm guessing birthdays are almost universal but i bet you there's some cultures that maybe don't pay much Mm -hmm. attention funerals yeah now how they're done i think funerals and and I think with religious holidays, you could almost substitute um, seasonal holidays, you know, because if if you look at that, you think of solstices, you know, or equinoxes. Yeah. I think solstices and equinox holidays and, and funerals, those, I think those two are probably pretty universal. Yeah. I think yeah. you see them celebrated. And again, the difference is the rituals and the traditions. But what is being celebrated is is sort of the same across cultures. It, it is, even though knowledge changes. So, a solstice or an eclipse. We don't necessarily. Well, we some some of us do celebrate an eclipse in the sense that we go through the ritual of going out and trying to photograph it to see it to ooh and ah. <laughs> No, we know that the moon isn't going bloody. We we know that a dragon isn't eating it up. Uh, still, it's a mighty powerful event. Um, it reminds us of celestial mechanics. It reminds us that these great big uh, spheres of various sizes, but still pretty pretty intensely large, massive, um, are moving around. For the most part, not bumping into each other, <laughs> casting shadows that can be predicted. And so, again, if you're celebrating, you're frequenting a thought, you're honoring something. If you're observing 
you are, in, in uh, relatedly, you're stopping to contemplate and think. Now, maybe everyone who stops and looks at an eclipse doesn't think about those celestial mechanics. I find it hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it come, brings back a physics, you know, notion that is normally taken in a different way, which is <laughs> something we talk about quite a bit, space-time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know space and time are connected, and it plays an integral part in all of our math. But you think about it on an anthropological level, or on a psychological or sociological level, um, these holidays are revolve around time, right? You think about these seasonal holidays. One that just got me thinking was, um, you know, you know, Stonehenge it was it was designed to line up so that right at the the solstice, the sun shines through the pillars. And then I saw in the news um, yesterday that. At the Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., they have, um, you know, like a stone plaque with like a hole cut in the middle for each branch of the service. And they're all lined up. And then, you know, on November 11th at 1111 a.m., the sun shines through all four of them and illuminates the seal (laughs) of the United States military on the ground. So these things, you know, and even a funeral, you know, at a funeral, you're celebrating the time somebody was alive. But the time that somebody is alive is intricately, intricately connected to the the space. You know the what what we have physically around us. Yes. And so these two things, uh, you know, I think that that's that's the big aspect of celebration is looking at it and saying, <coughs> you know, okay, well, what what has happened over this course of time in the space that we live in? You know? Yes. So you've got a duality again, as you mentioned before. Space yeah. And time is a, is a cohered thing in some ways but it's also a dualism and and this we like to wrangle gravitas into (laughs) rituals by manipulating the sun (laughs) or the moon but really what we're doing is manipulating objects to have the sun cooperate (laughs) right right we're 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 doing this aesthetic, scientific, physics calculated, um, the, the beautiful s- simplicity of a round stone with a hole in it or any kind of obelisk where the shadow would go at such a, such a place predictably. Um, we are suggesting that the heavens themselves, um, Acknowledge this event, <laughs> when in really, uh, reality, we've we've manipulated small things on Earth just to reflect what very cleverly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, is an achievement of some kind necessary in order for there to be a celebration? Depends on how you define the word achievement. Doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> is it an achievement to get married? Yeah, so achievement. This could be a whole episode. It probably will be at some point in the future. But I hear it coming. But yeah, achievement. So the etymology of that is probably interesting. I don't know it off the top I'm of I'm looking head. it up while you're talking. Yeah, man. yeah. I'm, once you have it, let me know because I want to know what it is. But yeah, because so getting married, is getting married hard? No, it's not physically a difficult thing to do. But emotionally or um, you know psychologically, uh, trying to find a person that you connect with on such a level that you can say, um, you know, even though in modern times these vows can be broken relatively simply, um, there's still that uh, ritualistic or traditional um, vow to, you know, be with this person for the rest of your life. So in that regard, um, getting married and particularly staying married, right, is it could be looked at as an achievement. So it's kind of depends on the context that you're looking at it. Here's our etymology. That's that's interestingly paired with what you just said. The first records of the term achievement come from the 1400s. So this is not an old word. It comes from the French word, I won't pronounce pronounce it properly, meaning conclusion. From Old French, a chevreur, meaning to bring to an end. From the phrase, a chef, meaning to a head or to a conclusion. So you are bringing something to a conclusion. But, and now we're bringing in 
the elements of storytelling uh, mm. from the podcast that we had, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about sort of the hero's journey and this idea, this sort of false narrative that that stories, you know, which our our lives are revolve around and are built on, um, have beginnings and ends. Yes, but in reality, it's it they're just cycles, right? We're constantly having new beginnings. We're constantly bringing things to a close, and then. Usually, when we're bringing something to a close, it's not really the end, but the beginning of something different. Astronauts, once upon a time, returned from space. Right. <laughs> well, they still do. But but from having gone to the moon. And they come back, and after they are resettled relatively quickly, debriefed, and so on, what happens? A ticker tape parade through the streets, riding on the tops of cars, receiving adulation, which certainly makes one think of Roman chariots and, and, and perhaps barges in Egypt and, and, and uh, perhaps uh, uh, canoes and rivers across the continents. Someone returns. Weren't sure they were going to return. They came back. So the, 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 the mythic power of the eternal return that Marcia Eliada and others wrote about the, they, they went out, they did something. They came back. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. It doesn't end there uh, because there's gotta be going out again. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, some people, some people struggle with this, with this in life, right? They, they go out and they, they do something big and then there's, there's a celebration. There's a return, there's a celebration. And then, it's sort of, well, where, where do we go next? from here? Yeah. Yes. What happens next? Maybe right? something of the same kind isn't going to happen next. Maybe that was the only ticker tape parade that astronauts going to have because they've aged out or, 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 or whatever, just as that one example. Um, so there's, there's, there's a bittersweetness in some kinds of celebrations. And that said to, well, I think, I think that's almost necessary in a celebration. You have a Christmas. Uh, celebration and, and sooner or later someone mentions uh, the relative who's no longer there and people tell a funny story or sometimes people get a little uncomfortable or sometimes people get quiet and they say yeah and and so all the joy is still there but the joy of memory is too and that but that's also hard yeah yeah so uh, yeah the, the etymology of the word brings a whole different shade of meaning to this idea mm-hmm. do you need an achievement for there to be a celebration so in other words do you need there to be an end do you need something to be coming to a conclusion in order for there to be this celebratory gathering and that really does reflect what we were just talking about the time element of these celebrations you know we're having it things does. revolve around because you know, if you think about this, the way we, we keep track of time is the earth going around the sun this year, you know, mm-hmm. and the solstices and the equinoxes and the birthdays. And you had, you had, uh, you arrived at your 11th year from the moment when you got married. You had a dinner. Oh, well, uh, perhaps you had a dinner <laughs> when you got married. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> Food. Yay. <laughs> and laughter. And oh, but we're all here because of that moment. Uh, the, the, the push pin stuck into the space time map <laughs> uh, on the wall that, that said, yeah, we were there. Now we're back there again. Hmm. Now we've concluded that amount of time. Now we're pressing on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't, still don't know if I would agree with there being, a, well, so let's go to the original wedding, right? Yeah. Like, so with an anniversary, it seems like an achievement is necessary for that celebration, right? Mm-hmm. You have, you have to, you're bringing to an end, um, a certain number of cycles, right? Normally they go in 10 year increments. Me and my wife are joking because, you know, since we were bo- married on 11, 11, 11, um, we celebrate <laughs> on our 11th anniversary and that'll be the 22nd. <laughs> People think that's really weird, but how's it any weirder than doing 10 and 20? It is. It's just more unusual. Yeah, it's just arbitrary, right? Um, but if you think back to the original wedding, um, what's being achieved there? What, what's being brought? You know, you could say something's being achieved because I think the word has a different meaning now than 
merely bringing something to an end. What's but, you know? but but it's, if we even if we just go for that, that, that strict older definition, uh, by implication, a wedding is the conclusion of of a wooing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Of of a of a period of romancing you know the, the, the thing is that one doesn't want that all to end <laughs> once you get there got that done right i got you now we're <laughs> now we're just going to go ahead and pay our taxes <laughs> um i i don't think it is that but it is the end uh in a sense the conclusion of uh of a process that may have been long or short uh that that is marking Hmm. It's, it's the the conclusion is the decision to wed. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know now that I think about it more, it's true because you know you're bringing an end to the two people's single lives. Now they're going to be joined together. These sorts of things. So yeah, maybe you do need an achievement to have a celebration. You know, I, in, a, in a birthday, right? You're bringing to an end. Year? The year, right? And I think in many cases that's going to be what the what Christmas the Christmas is. brings and the new year brings an end to the right. old year. So I I think there's probably an element of that. Again, the, yeah, it's the time passing and what's happened in the space during that time. Yeah. Um what is the antithesis of a celebration, do you think? Is there such a thing? That's a good question, isn't it? The antithesis of the celebration. Well, uh, uh, we'll float this, and and you should poke holes in it righteously. But I'm going to float it out there anyway. So, uh, a morning, M O U R. That's putting that out there. Um, a a a a, a refusal. To acknowledge anything. <laughs> Wittgenstein and and uh, Bertrand Russell, both both philosophers, but uh, Wittgenstein did so much philosophy, almost unplumbable philosophy about language, but but essentially said there's nothing to celebrate about philosophy. Hmm. And Bertrand Russell, you know, was saying there, well, yes, because we're exploring ideas. We celebrate the idea of wanting to keep learning. Uh, existentialism. There, there are celebrations of Jean Paul Sartre, <laughs> who said that life, or, or Camus, who said that life is utterly absurd. And people who fo- followed Camus or read Camus or were in, 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 interpreting that as there's no meaning in life. And the existentialists, we talked about that, but there is meaning only if we make it. So on the surface, you have the, uh, life is absurd. There's nothing to acknowledge. Even those guys, (laughs) Camus, uh, talking about Sisyphus, uh, the the, the old Greek myth about a guy being punished by eternally rolling a rock up a hill, having it pulled back down. The fact that Sisyphus chooses uh, to see, and he's reading this into it, but chooses to see value in that rock, or, well, at least my spirit is still alive, and I'm still doing this, and therefore that's a joy. Hmm. Well, if you find a joy in a moment, it means that there's joy in life. And so you can't say life is meaningless if there's a meaning in a moment, even if you've made that meaning. Even Camus essentially admitted that. So, to go back to the question, uh, I suppose the antithesis would be the joy uh, having something that is joyless and without uh, meaning because it isn't marking anything in space-time because there's nothing to mark. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, right? Because if we go back to the etymology of the two words we were just looking at and then reverse them, right? an achievement and a celebration, you know, an achievement bringing to an end. It would only, so that'd be, instead of bringing to an end, it would be starting something new and a celebration instead of there being a, a sort of a joyous gathering would be sort of a somber individuality. And that almost sounds like a divorce proceeding, right? Somebody starting something new, 
by themselves. But I'm sure that we can all think of some people that might be also celebrate at a divorce proceeding. So it raises sort of that, like what you were saying with the, the existential philosophers, this idea of it's very contextualized, right? So do you think we have to look at the emotional elements? Is, are there necessary emotions for a celebration? Is that what makes it a celebration? I, uh, yes. I would say so as one person. I mean, in Star Trek, the, the, the folklore, mythology, whatever, the storylines, that the Vulcans have all kinds of rituals for things that they find very important. But for them, the removal of emotion is what's important. <laughs> well, some people could, might say that about the, uh, the, the Stoics in some ways. So, yeah, I think emotions, don't you? Yeah, I think that this, this sort of parallels the conversation we were having about failure last week, right? Um, so failure, by definition, is the failure to achieve something, right? You, you didn't achieve something that you set out. But failure is not a negative thing, really, unless, you know, you've stopped trying to achieve something or you're, what you end up achieving, even if it's not the main goal, is unacceptable as an end result. Mm -hmm. um, so there's cases where failure is going to be a negative thing. Um, but really, in many cases, especially, you know, in our, our you know, pretty, pretty safe modern lives, a failure isn't a negative thing. Um, until your perspective on it is such mm -hmm. a celebration could, could be sort of similar, right? In the, in the regards that, so if the emotions are right, you know, if, if you, whatever event took place, um, you know, you have positive emotions, you're, you are sort of, um, looking at the passing of time and looking at what's happened in that passing of time, um, with you know some observed reverence you, you know you have your ritual you have these things um and i think the example you brought up that's really good was was mourning right how many times do you, he you hear somebody of being in mourning after a death but how many times do you also hear we're going to get together for a celebration of life yeah. right there's sort of your your two uh perspectives on it there the same thing happened right somebody somebody died some a life came to an end um, but how people deal with that and how they contextualize the event that happened can is really the, sort of the hinge point on whether it's a celebration. Or not. Yes, and so rituals of celebration become ways of trying to help. Sometimes they're ways of trying to help people away from the emptiness or the the. the unavoidable sadness and loss. Sometimes our culture carries that philosophically to a point at which we won't acknowledge beyond a certain point that a mourning should happen. So people who are still missing people necessarily after a few years, not necessarily, but often feel pressed by others to say, well, let's get on with it. Let's mm -hmm. move on because that's a stone in the, in the dirt there, but we're down the road here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we're still there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can be in both places at the same time. We've adequately demonstrated that with our imaginations. And, and so I, I think sometimes the idea of celebration becomes a forced, uh, a, a, a fear based, uh, enforcement of, and that's not how you should feel anymore. And so then we have what philosophy often is choose the shoulds and the oughts. Mm. You ought to feel this way at this time. You must feel this way or you should, because otherwise you're failing at getting on with it. <laughs> so yeah, it is extricable, uh, inextricable with failure. Yeah. And coming back to the, that sort of dualistic element to celebration we talked about at the beginning, it's sort of like stripping that the formalized reflective part of the celebration away and just keeping um, the eating and the music and the, it, it's, it becomes a surface level thing. And I don't think that it's a, a genuine celebration at that point, right? If there's still these unresolved things, it's not to say you can't contextualize it, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
if you know somebody was had been struggling with with a you know a, a bad disease for a long time or they had lived a, a good long life or you know I think that you can legitimately have a celebration of somebody's life. Oh yes, yeah. Um, I but agree. I think that you also can have a point like you were just mentioning where um somebody's life gets cut short or you know they they die under bad circumstances or something and um in order to just sort of avoid that pain they go on with the surface level they go on with the one half of the celebration as sort of a facade to cover up what what is happening behind this is really interesting because what you're really revealing also or what you're going to is is what is where the uh, artifice of celebration you know there's a lot of natural natural emotion and so on and so forth but the artifice of celebration is when uh, rules are implied that um, do not welcome all kinds of feelings within that celebration. For instance, whether it's uh, Eid, Christmas, any of the holy days, uh, families, particularly during the pandemic, where everything was heightened, and compressed huh. and have a tacit agreement well there are lots of things that we won't talk about today hmm. uh, because that would just make us angry at each other we don't want to be angry at each other so if we avoid all these topics then we'll just be like we always are but that is not to acknowledge who, who, who human beings are <laughs> right so we'll we'll love you for this part of you because this is going to remind us of how things used to be and so we'll have a celebration for that but but who you are right now is not necessarily important to us because it might just get uncomfortable and too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think that that's when celebrations go wrong. Yeah. And I, I had a moment like this at our anniversary last night, right? Everybody was having a really good time. Then it came time to do the toast. And I, in, in true, I'm usually an anti-procrastinator. Normally, as soon as I know there's a task, I want to get it done as early as possible. Yeah. Um, but I ended up not writing a toast for the, the wedding. So the time came up to do the toast and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to wing it. Right. And so everybody's having a good time. Everybody's in a good mood. And I remember the toast because I thought about it quite a bit afterwards because I sort of struggled with some of these feelings. Right. I, so I said, you know, hey, you know, everybody, welcome to our 11th wedding anniversary. Thank you for coming out. And I said, when I look around the table, I see um, a lot of you who were with us 11 years ago. And I said, and I see some new faces that have joined us since then. And I said, I'm reminded of um, the faces that couldn't be here or the faces that are no longer with us. And I said, sometimes life can be a, a hard or a challenging thing. And that makes it all the more important to celebrate the things that you cherish in life, including everybody here, um, as well as, you know, most importantly, my, my lovely feral housewife. <laughs> and I said, everybody, you know, have a good time and enjoy yourself and, and cheers to 11 years. Right. And I, I sat down, I thought, you know, maybe I said, you know, I, I, I feel like maybe I was being a downer there, bringing up, you know, the fact that, you know, since I got married, you know, my, my dad has died, my grandparents have died and there's mm -hmm. other people that, Maybe they haven't died, but they couldn't be there with us and these sorts of things. And I thought, you know, everybody's having a good time. And I gave that speech and I hope that I didn't wreck anything. And I didn't. Everybody continued to have of a good time. Of course you didn't. Like you're saying, I think that it is important because that's the reflective part of that. What is the point in celebrating this 11 years of achievement if you don't recognize the fact that there are obstacles and there are things along the way that, that could have prevented you from, from getting there? You know? so, right. It's part of it's a it's a it's acknowledging and honoring the travel, the path. You know, the, often um, in, when I'm with people that I um, had spent lots and lots of life with, uh, will occasionally raise a glass and say to absent friends. Hmm. Well, absent friends can imply people who have uh, died also can apply people who just couldn't be there for whatever reason and and that isn't a downer that that is that is the deepening and the complexifying <laughs> of of the whole experience no experience is absolutely 
unfettered joy. <laughs> because we're human. There's always some little dent somewhere or, or some of the knowing that things happen with it doesn't mean that that's less or that it's wrong. It's quite the opposite. So I think you did well. So yeah, we've talked about, um, we've talked about celebrations quite a bit today and we've, we've gone and talked about, you know, like, um, president's day or, um, this idea of celebrating to cover up, um, mourning deeper emotions as well as the positive, uh, celebrations and things so last question are there too many or too few celebrations today do you think <laughs> in in what sense in our culture yeah too many or too few <laughs> well uh, there's a calendar my my wife was a children's librarian and, and a historian she she finds these marvelous things uh, there are any given day in the United States, that whatever the date is, it's it's a special day for at least three or four or five. National Coffee Day. Well, hey, celebrate coffee. That's you bet. Anytime I can. But that is not the equivalent of of the, the celebration of the anniversary or or the celebration of a life. So do I? Do I think there are too? I think there are too many that are. I think our orientation to them has been trained into a, a kind of frenzy hmm. that diminishes the event itself. The, the, how many how many television specials in the states have there been where somebody has? Got to rescue Christmas, otherwise Christmas is not coming. Right, <laughs> the dozens, yeah, and dozens, and, and of course Christmas comes in the sense that the calendar day that we've designated as Christmas comes. There are lots of different Christmas designations, uh, but that's not what we really mean. Is that well? That means Santa Claus won't come. Well, gee, that means there won't be presents. I mean, oh, okay, all right, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> and those are great little toy stories for kids to get all concerned about. But I think that that's reflective of something that points toward the frenzy. Hmm. Yeah, the Grinch, right, is really the this original story. And it has the, the positive ending, right, where, okay, the Grinch strips Christmas of all of its commercialization, but the Who still celebrate, right? Yeah. And I think that that's the that's the message that you want to send out because that the things that we've talked about today, um, the traditions, the rituals, um, the, that dualistic nature of, of the, the observation and the reflection, but also, um, you know, the laughter and, and the talking and the feasting and stuff. Um, it, it really sort of strips it back, right? How much of this can you take away? And still celebrate what it is that you, you gathered here to celebrate. There is too much for me. There's too much expectation or didactic uh, telling us how and what we're supposed to feel on a designated day. Veterans Day is one of those. Hmm. They have endless, here's how you're supposed to feel and here's what you're supposed to do. Well, if, if it's really a meaningful day, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, and of course, there there will be militaristic rituals and uh, funerary rituals, but that doesn't mean somebody gets to tell you exactly what you're supposed to feel any more than they should be able to tell you what you're supposed to feel during a, a an anniversary celebration or anything else. That removes the authentic nature of of one's existence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Until next time, keep on. Here.